0: What's going on, everybody? My name is Jay, and this is the No Spoon Podcast. If you have this is your first time watching this channel, please don't forget to subscribe. Also, share, like, and comment, get it out to as many people as possible. I got a great show for you today with a great guest. He's been on here plenty of times. Um, he's a friend of the show. He's is a California gubernatorial candidate. He's uh he ran in the what was it, the recall? election and he ran in the primaries for the last uh, the last cycle. Now he's going at it again because he hasn't stopped. He's got a message that I think that is important. This is the reason why I keep talking to him because I feel like he's one of the only candidates that actually gets it. Um, but we're going to pull him on right now. But like I said, subscribe to the channel, like, share, comment. If you're listening to this on uh, Apple, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts, the audio version, leave a review. Also, we'd appreciate the five stars this is a way that we can counteract the, the the algorithm that's against us already. But I'm going to bring on my guest today, Daniel Mercury. Hey, what's, what's going on, on, Jake? How, How you, are you doing, bro? Good, I'm
1: yourself. Doing good. <laughs> I'm doing great. Thank you so much again for reaching out and bringing me back on. So, I uh catch all your stuff on IG, all the clips, the snippets, and uh, some, some of your shows and stuff. So, this is uh, it's, it's always great, man. You, you were oh, yeah, uh, man, extremely welcoming last time, and you know, always talking and bringing me all the lives and stuff. So, uh, thank you for allowing me to speak to your audience too. So, appreciate you.
0: Yeah, definitely. <clears throat> um, tell people that may not, not be familiar with you, um, who you are, what you do, and
1: what you're trying to do so my name as you said is daniel mercury um i ran for congress back here and in, in california in the 25th district <clears throat> um back when uh, katie hill had stepped down and uh, that sort of exposed me to the corruption that was going on behind the scenes that uh, got me into this political arena and uh you know i'm just a i'm a husband i'm a father i'm a small business owner and um i'm a united states naval veteran honorably discharged in 2003 and uh you know i had no intentions in trying to be a politician i just uh i just there was just back in you know 18 and 19 there was just too many things going on when it came to the fires and when we uh, moved into ventura county you know we were very close to the fires and uh, we had no representation in fact a lot of people don't know that even though katie hill stepped down um, she had already sort of uh, left her office she wasn't answering the phone and so there was already there was already a rumor that she had already she had already prepared before she was going to make her announcement uh, months before she made her uh, her leave, and I thought, well, we have no representation. So I was like, well, that's that's not appropriate, and and no one's answering, picking up the phone. I've I've got no one, nobody's representing me. I don't know what I don't care for her staff. I want answers, and I wasn't getting them. So that made me jump into just trying to represent my community, and once I did that. I started realizing how the left hand doesn't know what the right hand was doing. I started um, realizing that um, there's a lot of corruption that goes on both sides of the fence, both with the GOP and the DNC. And um, once I got through that and I understand, I understood really just how um, fomenting and vile this uh, this this arena is, I felt like you know I, I needed to run for the governor seat because I understood that that is a key position that can really make dynamic changes. And the old saying goes, you know, whatever happens in California, so, so goes the rest of the nation. Mm -hmm. And we've just been in this, this downward spiral, you know, uh, villainy that uh, we just, we just can't seem to stop. You know, it's, it's, uh, it's running amok. So I decided to jump into the recall. Uh, But I actually set out for the 2022 first and it just so Mm -hmm. happened that the 21 recall uh, took off. So of course, you know, it, it was advantageous for me to jump in that. Why wouldn't I? And uh, that was also another, when you run for that high of a seat, uh, I cannot tell you the kind of information that gets thrown at you. Uh, People who don't want to be known will send you factual documentation. They'll send you, you know, uh, videos, they will send you all kinds of stuff. And everyone is just looking for someone to do the right thing. And that was something that I I started realizing where things started changing was I didn't want to do the right thing because your right thing and my right thing. Are not going to be the same. I realized we need somebody in office that's going to do the God-given, constitutionally right thing, and that's mm-hmm. what our framers put for us, and you know that uh, we're supposed to base everything off of. And then, and of course, you know, I started getting phone calls during the, the recall where people were going to the machines and they were calling my campaign line. It's a cell phone. It's an iPhone, and they uh, they were calling and saying, "Daniel, can I can I go Facetime with you?" And I said, "Sure." So they were showing me on the machines, your name is not on the list. You're on the ballot, but I can't find you on the machines. So I started calling up 10 other, uh, candidates and they were saying the same thing. They were getting phone calls from their supporters and that their names weren't on, on, the different counties and different machines and different, you know, polling places. So, you know, it was just a, it was just a mess. And, uh, and I realized, you know, again, just how deep everything really goes. And inadvertently during the 2022 prime, I started being called the you know, the, uh, the constitutionalist candidate. And I didn't, uh, anticipate for me to become a constitutionalist. It was just, I was looking for the answers. That's all I was doing. I just mm-hmm. wanted answers. Why was everything falling on deaf ears? How is it that our representatives are getting away with what they're doing? How can they undermine the constitution and state constitution to such extents that no one is going to prison? I don't understand why there are, there are not any indictments. It really just, it, it was upsetting me. It was angering me and I had no I wanted answers. And so I started looking at the laws. Was was I wrong? Was I not understanding the laws the right way? And that's why they're able to do what they're doing. And I started realizing, no, it's the fact that they know. And when I say they, I mean, corrupt representatives. They know that you don't know the laws and they know how to manipulate the language to confound and confuse what is. And so this kept driving me to really understand what can I do as a governor that if I am fortunate enough, blessed enough to convince the people of California to vote for me and get me into that seat, what can I do? What should we do? And why should we do it? And really, it boils down to cleaning house and accountability. And people go, well, what's accountability? Because nobody ever defines it. Nobody ever wants to define accountability. No candidates truly want to say accountability. And then they say, well, we need more transparency. Well, what does that mean? (laughs) So I defined accountability as prison. I'm going to hold you accountable. And that means you're going to go to prison because you violated your oath. And there I have a ton of laws that that outline exactly what they've done, how they've done it, and why a governor can do what he can do, which is starting to put these people in prison. And what is transparency? Nobody wants to define transparency, right? And so this is why I tell people when people swear an oath to support and defend the Constitution, they are in the Constitution – I think it's Article 1, Section 8 stipulates that that it only authorizes so many authoritative powers that are granted by the people to give to your legislative body. You can't go outside that, which means you can't even draft egregious legislation and attempt to put it on the floor to get it to operate under the color of law. It's illegal. It's completely Mm -hmm. illegal. If you do that, well, then you violated your oath. And the second you violated your oath is the second that you can be imprisoned under California state codes and under United States title codes. It's simple why is anybody doing it? And that's, that's what set me down this long journey that I've been going on now. Literally, the day of the November 8th, 2022 prime election, I was getting phone calls from numerous patriot groups, uh, GOP groups, uh, groups that have branched away from the CRA that wanted to know the same thing. And they had heard that I'd put on uh, you know a, a couple of uh, town hall symposiums, breaking everything down and what it is that we, the people can do to fight back and how it all started. Mm -hmm. Because in order for you to move forward and to truly fight back, you kind of have to know how we got here in the first place. And so that has been sort of my message going up and down the state of California. Literally, the, the day of the election, even though I didn't get elected, I was getting phone calls. I have not stopped campaigning. So I've already made my declaration for the 2026. And I've now been spending a four. I'm on a four year journey to just go county by county, city by city, group by group Uh, presenting my presentation. I'm in the uh, middle of taking my presentation and putting it into a book. Um, You know, it's called the Lucifer's Zenith, uh, corrupting nature's God through government deception. So it really breaks down in its most simplistic form. And when I give this presentation, people just lose it. I mean, they, not because they're angry at me, but because they're offended by the truth. And that's another reason why my slogan has become, I'm here to offend you. Not because I'm here to insult you. It's because the truth is going to offend you. And I can't tell you how many people walk out and uh, or shake their head and storm out. It, I mean, it happens. Uh, I'll be speaking to a room between 50 and 150 at a time. And people will just storm out because they they realize the truth, but they don't want to admit it to themselves. Or it's just a hard pill to swallow. And they don't know what to do because now they realize they've been lied to. We all know we've been lied to, but do you know to what extent?
0: yeah that's, i', that's I let me to where I'm at I think there's people that know that they've been well, I think there's a lot of people that say, Oh, I've been lied to, but don't really want to take the time to figure out the 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 depth of the lie, and I don't think that they honestly believe it the lie. I think they would rather it's like, okay, I know something's wrong, but let's just carry on,
1: yeah, that's the sad thing is that you know I will present in these presentations, when I go to these, uh, invites or these speaking engagements, you know, uh, a lot of people don't want to rock the boat because they do not want to interrupt their decadence. That seems to be one of the biggest things is they don't, yeah. they don't like what's happening. In fact, they're, they're furious, but they're too afraid to involve themselves. They're too afraid to get political. That's the, that's the favorite line that I hear. I just can't get political, Daniel. Well, okay. You like your, you like your <laughs> gas? No. Well, that's political. Do you like what's going on with your kids in school and all this indoctrination? No. Well, that's political, right? You, yeah. you like, uh, you know, how the government is, you know, dip, you know, double dipping, triple dipping, quadruple dipping into, into you know, charging and having to pay the government and all these uh, exuberant taxes. That's political. Everything is political. You don't have to like it, but everything is political. And this is there. lies the huge problem that people don't want to admit to themselves. And so they just want answers on how they can sort of safeguard themselves and, and just hopefully, you know, this this uh, wave of villainy that has been going on will just sort of, you know, bypass them. You know, yeah. like the angel Jeff, just the angel of death, just passing over them. No, <laughs> you're going to have to involve yourself and fight back. Um, otherwise, you're going to go quietly into the night. That's really it. You have two options. You're going to stand up. You're going to fight now today or somewhere else Tomorrow. One way or another, you're gonna to have to pick sides and 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 that's just final, and that's the part that people just don't want to admit to because you know everybody likes to admit, and I would ask you, do you think we're at war and oh
0: yeah, just <laughs> definitely
1: right we I would totally agree. We are at war. We're at an agricultural war. We are at a uh economical war. We are at an ed- educational war. We are in a spiritual war. No doubt this is a spiritual
0: yeah, war, definitely. right
1: The one yeah. war that we have not engaged in is an arsenal war. That's the war that nobody wants to talk about. Nobody wants to admit that that's coming. This is why they want the Second Amendment. At least here in our country, they want us to acquiesce all of our, our firearms. And so they're pushing the agenda of, you know, what's that old saying? Never let a good crisis go to waste. Right. Well, that's exactly what's happening. So anytime there's a shooting, which I believe some of them are, are clearly, you know, false flags. You know, they're, they're clearly something. There's always something amiss. Now, I'm not taking away from the fact that it really did happen, but I'm, I'm trying to point out that. The media is going to keep pointing out all of this narrative to try to get people to pull on the heartstrings to say we need we need to we need to turn in our our firearms. You don't need, you know, um, assault weapons. Well, that's if you look at that word, well, name me one weapon that wasn't designed to assault. They're all designed to assault. So when they use words like that, well, you know, we got to get rid of and ban assault weapons. Well, they're all designed to assault. There's not one weapon that wasn't out there that wasn't designed to do that. So it's a changing of the language to change your perception to get you to acquiesce so that they can abrogate the laws. It's very simple. And once you know that, you can see what the agenda is because you know, if you're armed and you're an armed society, government's going to have a very, very difficult time when they know that you have that right, if they push you to that brink. Well, now they're looking, they're going to be looking down to the end of a barrel. And that's the arsenal war that we have yet to engage, but it's coming. And I hate to admit that I don't want it to happen. I've, you know, I've served two tours, three operations. I don't, I'm not a fan of war. War is the enemy in and of itself, but that's coming.
0: Yeah, I think, I think you're hundred percent right. I mean, I think that's something that's been said a long time. I, I just don't see any, you know, alternative ending to this because, you know, eventually, eventually when we go, what happens when you go, to, when you get to the stalemate, you know what I mean? What happens when there is no compromise and both sides says, I'm not budging it. You're not, I mean, like this, this is, this is what war comes out of. It's why, um you know, I think it was von Clausewitz that said that politics was war without bloodshed and blood and war was uh politics with bloodshed. Mm-hmm. It's just an extension of it. And, and so it's like, I think it's an inevitability, inevitable that this is what's going to happen. Um, you mentioned something about the shootings, and that's something that we don't talk about. There's so many different shootings that's going on, and lately there was the Allen, Texas one where yeah. the um, the shooter whose name is Mauricio Garcia has um, is is now being hailed as a white supremacist. <laughs> name yeah. Mauricio Garcia, which you know, typical. White well, what isn't name? what isn't
1: white supremacy? I mean, not to interrupt you, but really, that's the biggest thing: is what's not what isn't deemed racist nowadays. Everything is racist. If you're not in agreement with the current you know status quo, then you're racist, right? And it, it's irrelevant if you're Latino, if you're Jewish, if you're if you're black. It's Doesn't irrelevant matter. if if your ideologies sway to what's con- considered to be extreme right or right winged or MAGA. You know, all of these cliches, <clears throat> then you're then you are a racist or you're white supremacy. And then they come up with, you know, some sort of uh, expert psychological or psychologist opinion that, you know, wants to iron it out for everybody to prove that it's white supremacy and that, you know, we need to adhere to or the, the dangers of of what it means to be a white supremacist. So, again, it's a, it's a changing of of uh, thought processes that I do see. A lot of people don't want to do the research. They don't want to do the homework. They don't want to. They don't want to pick up the Constitution of the United States. They don't want to study it. They don't want to look at the history of things, um, you know. And and so here we are. We've got all these shootings going on. And when you look at the narrative, you know, they won't address, you know, that, uh, uh, you know, the the last few also were, you know, transgenders that were out there that had done. Unfortunately, you know, they picked up a gun. That's that's fact. That's not a debate. That's not a. You know, that's not up for discussion or anything like that or discourse. That's a fact. Right. But they they didn't address it. They just, uh, you know, they, they sort of skirted over that. Right. And then and then some of these shootings too have to deal with illegal immigrants or illegal, illegal aliens. You know, we sit there and we talk about illegal immigrants. You know, no. Like, again, we're we're, we're talking about people coming into this country um, without the proper process. Right. And then some of these people have been deported and now they're back here and they're criminals this is why you have to go through a process. America lets in lawfully over a million. That's more than any other country, and now we have over what seven hundred thousand sitting at our borders right now. Like this is a problem, and so some of these illegals are have been let back in purposely, and now they they pick up firearms, and then this is now we're having this whole push for the Second Amendment because of. You know again the constant shootings that we keep seeing that are being you know we see uh, see in the media so it's it's hard to argue with people that feel that emotional distress and yeah. it's hard to you know try to get them to understand criminals don't care about your gun laws these gun laws, these red flag laws, these, you know, I, I hate to tell people, they say, oh, we need more background checks. Well, when was the last time a criminal went to a store to buy the gun legally so that they can run, have their backgrounds checked purposely only to go out and commit a crime? They don't purchase their guns legally and lawfully. They get them illegally. They, they you know, put together, you know, ghost parts, you know, to formulate their gun, you know, or they'll pay somebody who doesn't have a record to go to a gun show. And they said, well, we want to close loopholes, but you can close all the loopholes you want, but criminals are still going to get their guns. I've taken the time. I don't know how many people have gone down to the prisons or the local county jails. You know, you can take a tour. You can ask. And there's plenty of criminals behind these you know, walls. They're happy to tell you their story. In fact, they like telling you their story. They like telling you how they get drugs into the prisons. You know they like telling you how they committed a crime just because they wanted to get their medicines, and so they smashed up a window because they knew that they were going to get food, they were going to get taken out of the cold and get a nice place warm, you know, warm place to sleep and their blankets, and uh, they were going to get some TV. They, they're good, so they know how to work the system. And your criminals who engage in gun violence, they don't care. They like going into the towns that they know are gun free zones. that's that's easy pickings for them. They're not going to go into a red town because they know in a, in a red town everyone's got guns so they they don't want to get shot any more than you want to get shot. so they're not likely to go into that town and and you know you know, do a home invasion or you know uh, go into a, you know some sort of store or Walmart and all that. They know that the law enforcement in that town is going to go you know balls to the walls and trying to apprehend them. So they're going to go to these, these going to blue cities and, or they're going to also get ghost parts and piece their gun together. So criminals don't go in, you know, to buy their guns legally. It doesn't happen. No. And, <laughs> and this is the stupidity that I hear when they're like, well, we, it's the guns causing the problems. I don't recall when, the last time we ever handcuffed guns. That's never happened. We don't handcuff a gun. It's an inanimate object, but this is sort of the argument that the left want everyone to adhere to they want you to adhere to that if we just removed all of the guns then the you know the uh you know the the crime rate would drop that's not true it's completely not true especially when Mm -hmm. you have open borders so if you have open borders and you get rid of all the guns, but your borders are open. You're still trafficking in, sex trafficking, child trafficking, you're you know a drug trafficking, dr- you know a weapons trafficking. All of this is coming in. So your borders are still open, but you're going to try to get rid of the guns at the same time, right? This is the stupidity that I keep seeing.
0: Mexico is it's illegal to possess guns in Mexico. Yeah, <laughs> and they don't have any murders over there. It's no crime. <laughs>
1: It's no crime. Right. If you go to Chicago, it's you know, they've got some of the strictest gun laws, same with New York. And it's a shooting gallery. You know, California has, you know, some of the strongest, strictest uh, gun laws on the books. Red flags notoriously. Right. And red flags are are a, another stupidity, you know, uh, created by our legislators that are egregious to the Second Amendment. But a red flags border on pre-crime. Well, we don't arrest people for a pre-crime right? This isn't a minority report, but that's what a red (laughs) flaw is. That red flag law is, is that people, your neighbor might feel like, you know, you're angry and, you know, maybe you had a bad day, got fired from your work and your wife just divorced you. And well, that neighbor of yours knows that you're a gun owner. And so then you become, you know, this risk factor that somebody can come into your home and, and remove your firearms. And that's the other thing too, is when you look at the language of the law, well, the right to bear arms. And if you look at the language of the law, Uh, It stipulates they changed it to a firearm. Well, the firearm doesn't necessarily exist in in the framing of what our forefathers laid out before us and the definitions Mm -hmm. that have been already outlined by the Supreme Court. So they changed it to firearm. So now it goes under to a different jurisdiction. And a lot of people don't understand this. So this, again, is the language of the law. And this is how they can undermine it because people don't know any better. So, you know, this is this is why I'm like, you know, they keep telling you, let's just ban assault weapons.
0: <laughs> I I don't understand why this is so hard to comprehend as far as the like the, the whole point you made about the criminals and you know, the guns and all that type of stuff. I mean, it, to me it's it, it it it's pretty common sense. You know what I mean? I mean, it's it's pretty Clear cut criminals are not going to buy their guns legally, so I don't know who you're going to catch in a background check. Exactly. You know what I mean? It's like, oh man, we got you. you yeah. Know what right. I mean? We got. And try you.
1: to sneak in here and do it legally. They're not going to do that. And
0: um, I I think you know I don't I don't I mean I just it's it's just it's so ridiculous to me to think that 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 somehow is going to stop something. Every criminal that I've ever known we got guns illegally and it was easy to get it. W- it was not difficult to find guns. It was not difficult to find illegal guns. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And I don't, and if you, if you, if you take away guns, trust me, people are still going to have guns. It's yes. just like in prison, you're not allowed to have a knife, but it doesn't mean people don't make them.
1: No, it, it's a, <laughs> right. All the shanks that they hide and stuff. You, all, man. I mean, the crazy stuff is, this is why I tell people you really, When, you know, when you're in, uh, when you're in prison, they have nothing but time to think of all the ways that they can, uh, continue to, to, you know, stay alive in there. You know, they, they have a different type of, uh, system, right. And they're going to follow the rules of the prison. And, you know, they're going to figure out a way how to bring in drugs. They're going to figure out a way how to shank somebody if they have to. They're going to figure out a way to use whatever material that they've got, including human feces. Right. These are the things that when you talk to these criminals, they're happy to tell you how they do it. I I spoke to uh, one woman and she told me that uh, she uh, she got extra time because um, when she was arrested for drugs, she uh, she purposely. I think she purposely attacked somebody because she wanted to be arrested, and so she could bring in the drugs. And um, what she ended up doing was, is she took you know these small little pellets, and because she was a heavy set woman, she rolled up part of her fat and she stuck them in between the her her uh, stomach fat rolls, and then she super glued it together. So you really couldn't tell. Well, you know they've got new systems, of course, and have been around for a little bit, but uh, sometimes they get away with it. But the, the scanners will sometimes miss that. But she ended up getting caught. But she was so proud of herself that she almost got them in. And when they caught her, that of course she was, you know, um, she was charged again. (laughs) So, but they were happy about it. That she was like, you know, wait till next time. So she's planning to do it again. So this is sort of the mentality of of the criminal mindset that either doesn't know any better or they get a thrill doing this. And this is why these laws are only affecting law abiding citizens, not the criminal.
0: I can tell you this. People say that like laws don't deter, and and I mean well, tough t- being tougher on crime, right? And so gun laws aren't going to do anything because we're going to sit here and we're going to people are going to find a way. Trust me, we always say that. In, in in prison, it's always like we always try to stay, you know, two steps ahead of the of the authorities. And it's true to a certain extent. It is true that you know because they're they're reacting to what we're doing. So you you went and you made this new new you know rule or the whatever this new policy. Okay, cool. We're gonna get, find a way to get around it. Drugs is always a big thing. like everybody's trying to get drugs in. Drugs is the main form of currency. If you have the drugs, you run you, you have power, you have whatever you have, want in there. So there's always ways to get around you know, drug you know, getting drugs in. It's always going to find a way. I've seen some really, really genius moves to get drugs in. But um, so there's nothing that you're going to do to stop that. You know, just like with guns, you're not going to stop guns. Um, Criminals do respond, though, to to, you know. They understand how to play the play the game. And I always say that, like, you know, one of the things like me being somebody who was incarcerated and now working with guys that are incarcerated, I, I always feel like. I know I know I know that, you know, the right things to say to the right people to get what you want. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I know like I've sat there and I, and I always tell them, like, look, you, you can tell the other people that you work with in other groups and the other rehabilitation groups and stuff like that and sit there and say all this sad story about how the system has oppressed you and how you just had no choice, but to to run the streets. But I'm, I'm like you. So I, I know it's, I know, I know what you're doing. I know the game that you're running, you know what I mean? And so at the end of the day, like people underestimate, it's like you get these activists and they get in there and they say, you know, uh, these guys, they didn't have like an AOC type. Oh, they have to do it to to get bread. No, (laughs) no.
1: (laughs) <laughs> like what world are you living in? Yeah, now that's uh, again, this is the, the the purposeful ignorance that has been laid out before us that we see really on a daily basis. you know again, what's good is, is, is uh, bad and what's bad now is is now good and this is what we're experiencing. And I do I will admit that laws that are designed to affect the criminal go much further than laws that affect the law- buying citizen right? The laws that affect the law-abiding citizen only impinge on that sovereign. Whereas the criminal, they know the system, so they know how far they can go and how soon they'll be out and where their loyalties lie as being a criminal. So, you know, here in uh, California, you know, Gavin Newsom removed the death penalty, put a moratorium on it. He said, you you know, under Jerry Brown, To him, it was an intellectual conversation. He was in support of it. But now that he's the man in the seat, you know, he realizes, oh, well, you know, we we can do better. And so he's put a moratorium on it, even though the people have voted, voted in favor of the death penalty. Well, criminals knew that they were going to see the chamber. And so crime rate was a little more down. People were a little bit more aligned, not entirely, but it was it was enough for the criminal to know. I don't want to get that far. I don't want to go too far. There's only so far that they, you know, but this has all been removed because, you know, they've allowed for the criminal to get away with even more, right? So they've raised the amount as what is considered to be uh, a misdemeanor, right? If you stole over $100, right, that was a, a misdemeanor. Well, now they've raised it to $900, right? So mm-hmm. it's I can steal up to almost $1,000. And, yeah, uh, and now stores yeah, are not yeah, supposed yeah. to engage in trying to prevent people mm-hmm. from you know, uh stopping people from or apprehending them, you know, in stealing or, or hurting customers and things like that. So we've got nothing but rogue DAs up and down the state of California. I know this for a fact. Why? Because I'm a candidate going to county to county, or I'm talking on Zooms or on, on podcasts, or I get phone calls on a regular basis from people from, you know, we've got 58 counties, and we've got nothing but corrupt DAs all over the place. And uh, and we've got a bunch of sheriffs, unfortunately, that don't want to rock the boat, even though they claim that they're constitutionalists. So nothing is, is, is being done. We've got criminals in government and we got criminals outside of government out on the streets and uh, it's becoming a free for all. And, and of course, with all the illegals coming in, it's increasing the homeless, right? I mean, that's, that's another sad thing. You open the doors, but then these people are here and, and now they've, you know, they, uh, they're let out and bust out in, in all different areas of our state. And some of them are given checks. And I don't know if you know this, but a lot of uh, Democrats, uh, they're, they're um, people, members of their office, right? They'll hire out and they'll have people go down to the border and they'll get them registered as a Democrat. So they increase the the voter roll and then they'll cut them a check right there and they'll go deposit that. And then they'll bust them into some parts of our towns, right? Anywhere up and down the state of California, to spread them out. Mm-hmm. So they're purposely doing this. And then a lot of those people end up not being able to find a place to stay or the money runs out. And so they end up homeless. So now the homeless is increased. And this, of course, perpetuates uh, every county to continue to claim a crisis. So when you look at the the California state constitution, they have amended uh, low income housing, right? So for people who don't make a lot of money, you know, there's a standard to how we can handle low income, right? Well, why don't we standardize it in state constitution when it comes to dealing with the homeless. Well, because the second you do that is the second that you're not allowed to really claim a crisis anymore because you have a standard. And when you have that standard, mm-hmm. right. Then money slowly stops. Well, they want the crisis to continue on to make these claims because there's no public fiscal oversight committee. Nobody knows where the money's going. We just see the money come in, but we don't know where that money's being uh, distributed you know and so it, this is this then is benefit it's a benefit to have the homeless for corrupt governments in you know metropolitan cities and so we I wonder like, why this continues going on
0: yeah i felt like this has been something that's been going on and there was recently a, a out here in LA there was fox 11 did a a story on a nonprofit organization that that assists homeless people and they were they have been given up to seven million dollars in government funds, and one of the things they're doing with that is they're passing out meth pipes. Yep. And again, there's money. There's money to be made in this. You know what I mean? Um, oh yeah. I, you you know a little bit of something about that. Why don't you kind of fill us in on that whole? Well, you're when
1: you keep an open when you keep open borders, right? So we have like Scott Weiner out there who you know allows for. Uh, you know, uh, vendors to or places where everybody can, you know, publicly safe site consumption sites, right? Safe consumption sites. And this is because his argument was well, we've got a lot of people that are on drugs. You know, we don't want to just cut them off and they go go turkey. You know, we want to help them out, sort of wean them off, right? And so, well, in order for you to do that, you have to keep allowing for illegal drugs to be, uh, distributed or past the borders so they don't close the borders so it's it's a catch-22 you want to help the person not engage or in you know uh spreading disease so you give them needles you don't want them to necessarily just do it anywhere so you give them a safe consumption site and then you don't necessarily want them to stop doing the drugs you want to kind of wean them off but in order for you to wean them off that that drug has to be uh, present you have to be able to have access to these illegal drugs these illegal narcotics Right. It's not like you just go down to the local pharmacy and they've got a prescription to do it. It doesn't work that way. Right. So Mm -hmm. these are the things that we're we're seeing. So these are all catch 22 laws. And so it allows for the criminals to maintain, you know, uh, to allows for these criminals in office to maintain an open border. And so then these drugs came in off the street. And a lot of times where there are raids too, a lot of times the raids, you know, by local law enforcement will confiscate those drugs. And then those drugs disappear. Where'd they go? I mean this is rhetorical but you kind of see how this is sort of a vicious cycle and so it perpetuates the the continued problem that we have that's going on that's easy to solve you know if you're a drug addict i'm sorry but you know under my administration the borders are going to be closed and every single you know at the los angeles docks every container is going to be uh inspected nothing's going to be coming in and if anything comes in from another country That has shown that there's, you know, humans inside drugs inside or anything else inside that's illegal. They're going to get sent back and we're never going to accept anything in any sorts of goods and services from that nation. They're going to get their, their act straight and we're going to open it up to the public so that there is actual actual public oversight. Because technically the people, you and I sovereigns of the nation are above government. That's your status. You're Mm -hmm. technically above the government. Government is your, is your, uh, servant. And their job is to ensure that the sanctity of the Constitution, the state constitution, stays intact, that nothing is out of alignment. Well, everything is out of alignment now. And so, you know, you keep perpetuating this problem for drug addicts to get their drugs in the city. We clearly see it on the streets. I've been down to, you know, Skid Row down Los Angeles, and they're all over the place. And you've got these little go-karts that, you know, or these little mini buses and stuff. They're driving it around, and they're handing out all of this to the homeless. So you're, you're enabling them. You're not helping them. And when I asked some of them, you know, have anybody come down here, have there been any groups coming down here to help you find a job or, you know, help you, you know, get uh, some sort of, uh, uh, medication for mental instability or, you know, if, if they're veterans, right. Nobody's being helped. I'm, I've gone, I've I've got some of this on video and I'm speaking to them. They're like, there's nobody down here. There's nobody helping us out. There's no, there's no place for us to go. And I'm like, what about project room key? You know, that big project that taxpayers spent, you know, billions on where they supposedly retrofit out a hotel or a motel and get homeless off the street. Well, you've got 70,000 to 80,000 in Los Angeles alone. And they take Mm -hmm. off a, they take out maybe a couple hundred and they pat themselves on the back, maybe 2000 at max. Well, you still got 69,000 more that are on the street. You're not doing anything about that. And you got millions, if not billions of dollars of taxpayers dollars. Well, why aren't they all off the street? Because when I did the research, Back in 2021 and, and 2020, um, I, I found that just in Los Angeles alone, there was over 70,000 vacant buildings, apartments, and, you know, uh, um, uh, homes that could be retrofitted out. And there was a lot of realtors that were willing to work with nonprofit organizations who already had a pool of money that would retrofit out the home, file their, that home under, say, Section 8, get the homeless off the street, and they would take care of the building for the land for the owner. Uh, pay the rent and they would get, uh, you know, d- different types of homeless people off the street, whether they had mental disability, uh, illness of some kind, a physical sickness, uh, you know, physical ailment. And some of them, you know, these nonprofits that are already tried and true. We have over like 612 here would work with these, uh, these uh, investment uh, property owners, uh, realtors that are willing to actually give up the property because it's a benefit to them because they get, a, they get, their rent, so they get passive income, the Mm -hmm. homeless get off the street and they get the medication and the support that they require and get them, you know, back into, you know, being a contributor to society, getting them work and, you know, uh, back with their families and and getting them the the medical treatment that they require. And then, uh, you know, we don't have all of these vagrants all over the place. It's a win-win. Why aren't we doing this? Well, because of the fact that, uh, the County and the state can't profit from it. So it's a lost profit. So, then they tie the hands of local law enforcement. They can't touch them. They tie the hands of these nonprofits. They can't always go out there and help them out. Um, it depends on what they can help them out with. And they've got to get some sort of permit or permission, um, things like that. So, we're not getting them off the street. So, then why are we keep claiming a crisis when you're inhibiting it from being solved? Because they don't want it solved because there's money to be made. It always boils back down to the profit margin. And this is this is why we're again another issue why the homeless situation is constantly perpetuated, but nobody wants to admit it. Nobody really wants to engage into this. Some counties are doing a good job; others are completely complicit.
0: What what's the profit in this?
1: Well, because the money when the money comes in, there's they're running the state like a business. So mm-hmm. when I tell everybody, when you listen to candidates. That is the worst thing that you can do is to continue to run the state like a business, right? Everybody thinks of, of you know, President Trump and they say, well, he was a businessman. So, you know, we got to run the country like a business. That's actually inaccurate. It's wrong. And what it does is it forces commerce. Well, that's illegal under the Constitution, right? The, the Congress, the legislative branch, which is the you know, strongest branch of all the three branches, um, cannot force commerce, meaning they can't engage in certain sort of business transaction and impinge upon a free market, which is what they do on a regular basis. But that's illegal. And that's how you run the state like a business. So when you run it like a business, you've got these unions, you've got these, uh, you know, uh, um, labor unions, you've got teachers unions, you've got corporatists, you've got Silicon Valley, you've got, uh, you know, fortune 500s, you have got all these corporatists and lobbyists, and basically they're doing everything they can to ensure that your legislator drafts a, a, a bill that will benefit them. And in benefiting them, they will then pass that out and put it onto the floor. And the language is what people have to pay and like who's benefiting from it. And a lot of times these bills are attached to a contract. So these contracts are are an exploitation of Article 1, Section 10 of the United States Constitution, which is exactly why we're in this mess, which in paraphrasing, it says that the states uh, cannot come up with a law to prevent the obligation of a contract. Same with the state constitution under Article 1, Section 9 says the same thing, almost almost verbatim. And what it's saying is, is that the right to a contract is not limited. So that means that it can be egregious to the Supreme law of the land. And it allows for your representatives to abrogate the constitution through a contract and through the contract to continue to run it, run your state, like a business that then forces the people to have to meet on a profit margin. It's very simple. It's not rocket science. And this is why it benefits them to have a situation that can require or benefit the county to claim a crisis that they can pull money from the state and or the state from the federal because where does our government get their money from they get it from the people people yeah right and everything mm-hmm. we're in a debt system so we're constantly having to pay off an uh, in indefinite debt that will never get paid I mean we're at 33 trillion dollars in debt uh, you know it's it, that's just ludicrous that's never going to get paid off. When you average it out, depending on the census, if there's 300 to 330 million Americans in, in you know uh, in this country, then it would take anywhere from 95 to maybe 200 thousand dollars of every man, woman, and child registered to give over to the government just to zero that out. Well, that's when is that going to happen? That's yes. never going to happen, right? So, but they don't necessarily care those who are in office or in a particular position because well, they've all been sort of um, lobbied to by these corporatists. And I know this for a fact, because of the fact that when I ran for Congress, that opened up the, that opened up the door, of uh, the can of worms that exposed me to how that worked. It's in the contracts. A lot of times you're newly representative who you absolutely love, who you thought was going to do a great job. Suddenly, you know, six months later after they're, they've been in their seat, they do a 180 on the people. Why? Well, because of their under the contract. A lot of the contracts that come from super PACs and lobbyists and corporatists, a lot of them will stipulate in the contract that you have to take their money if they're going to endorse you or if they're going to uh, uh, contribute to your uh, campaign. And when you sign that agreement, a lot of times in small writing, there's something down on the bottom that stipulates that if you do anything or if you say anything or if you were to be elected and you enact anything that would uh, negatively affect that group or company, you personally are liable. And the second they sign that is the second that that they can be held liable and put into prison. So your politicians are now stuck because they didn't read the fine print. They were so uh, you know, they were fomenting for this extra money, you know. I mean, I was told, you know, hey, listen, uh, Daniel, we'll give you fifty thousand uh, dollars from the super PAC, which was the max donation at that time. Mm-hmm. And they had over 2,500 members. And they said, well, Daniel, you know, we've got over 2,500 members. We'll, we can legally tell everybody, hey, donate to Daniel You know, the max individual contribution, which is legal. So now multiply that at that time was also $2,500. So just do the math. Mm-hmm. And then they even had the nerve to say, and even if you lose, we'll show you how you can keep it. And the way that happens is they run it through nonprofit. And then they put you on it as an advisory. And then they pay it back into your bank. That's legal. That's the loophole. That's one way why a lot of these um, perennial candidates, that means a candidate who just keeps running and never never wins. Um, and, and like uh, John Cox, he's been running for office since before I was born and I'm 47 years old. And this man has uh, constantly lost, but he raises millions of dollars and then he disappears into the void. That's what he does. That's a perennial candidate who raises money. He gets a huge chunk of that money. And then the, the rest of it goes to the caucus, whether you're GOP or the DNC, or it goes to your favorite nonprofit. And they'll keep a portion of that because they're allowing you to then suddenly come on as a board member, right? That's just one method. That's a legal loophole. And so when you run the state like a business, right, this is how they do it. And they force the people to meet on a profit margin, uh, irrelevant if it's made in bad faith and exploitation of article one, section 10. It It's because you don't know the contract clause and because there's no limit to the contract, um, the right to a contract means that they can engage in what's called legal fraudulent concealment. That means they don't have to tell you, you have to figure it out, which is why you always have to opt out. You never have to opt in, right? So Mm -hmm. you sign all those agreements when you get a social media or say you get a new cell phone, Mm -hmm. right? And all of a sudden your bill goes from say 120 a month to 150. You're like, how'd that happen? Well, that's because they bombarded you with junk email. Or junk notifications, but in one of those junk notifications was a, a, a premium that was going to be raised on you. That was your moment to say you had to opt out. But then, if you if you opt out, well, then you lose your benefits of having that, right? So you, nobody ever reads the fine print, and uh, and this is basically how everything else is run. This is how everything is run. This is how government does it against their own people. So it's representation without te- you know taxation without representation. I mean, it's, it's crazy to, to see um, and people are so you know dumbfounded by this and they want to know, well, how do we get out? That's a whole other ball of wax, but there is ways to do it. And this is the whole reason why I'm running for this position is to get the entire state out of this mess. So when you hear a candidate go, we need to run state like a business, what they're telling you is, is they're going to continue to perpetuate the current status quo because they're willing to negotiate with the swine that's in office now. Well, why would you do that? And People say, Well, you got to appeal to their better side. They have no better side, otherwise, we wouldn't be here. Right? And then better you want me side, to go in yeah. office, right? And you want me to negotiate with these criminals? They're criminals, but you want me to sit down and bring them to the table. No, I'm not gonna bring them to the table, they're going to prison. And and it's really simple, but but when you get a candidate that says that, that's exactly what they're telling you without even realizing it. Because they don't know so, the laws.
0: So just I mean, because what you're saying is, is 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 I've seen it myself. Where you see people that they're it's like running for office is it's an income in and of itself. It's a it's a it's a job. It's an industry almost, so to speak, of people who are making money off of this. I mean, and then you see some of these guys who jump in, even some like high profile guys, like in the in in your in the recall election, you had Larry Elder get in there, yep. and then Larry Elder decided not to run for the, uh, general, ele- for the, you know, for the regular election that we had. And now I hear that he's running, he's planning a, a presidential run.
1: Well, what's set, what's personally I have, I am completely against Larry Elder. Uh, everybody's like, oh, but you don't know, you know, you know, Larry's so great and Larry's so amazing. And, you know, I know Larry, no, you don't know Larry. You've been entertained by Larry, but you don't know Larry. Mm -hmm. In fact, I even dug into his past. I've got a couple of videos that are still out there um, and I got, I got, you know, people just so irate because of the fact that I point out all of his red flags and they just couldn't believe it. I'm like, I'm not the one saying what he's saying. He did. He's the one who went out there and told everybody that he felt the presidential election between Trump and Biden was fair and square. And and I was like, excuse me, right? If you look at all the data, no, but he Mm -hmm. went on record and said that. And here's the other thing too. He's the one, he was the one who set a precedent that we are dealing with now who did not debate any candidates. He never once debated a single uh, Republican candidate. He he bailed on all of them. He never, mm-hmm. none, nobody. Well, what are we experiencing now? Well, now the DNC was like, well, California set the tone. So we, as the DNC, are not going to let President Biden uh, debate Trump. So there's not going to be any debate. So now people can't weigh out, you know, the pros and the cons are kind of see, listen, we all know there's going to be lies, but we yeah. definitely want to be able to see if whether or not you're actually going to, uh, you know, make good on this because it's on record now. Right. So that's the points of the debates. We're going to hear what you have to say. And we're going to know whether or not you're going to stick to what you have to say, what you're telling everybody. And we're going to watch your body language and we're going to see how coherent you are. But, you know, Biden is so incoherent, you know, <laughs> he's senile. He's got dementia. You know, it, it takes everything for whatever they're doing to just barely keep him on track. He the the I mean, I wouldn't wish dementia on my worst enemy. I mean, it's just terrible. And yet, look what's happening. So they want to do away with events, but they want to do away with the uh, debates. But if you look at what Elder did, he did the exact same thing. He didn't debate anybody. Shame on him for doing that, right? And I can go on a a ton about him. I have no love for the man. Um, i dug into his past. And then he was the only one that did not have to show his taxes, um, and because it was, it, it was egregious. None of us really as candidates should have to show you my taxes. That's privacy. It's an invasion of article one, section one of the California state constitution. Right. right. Well, it was, it was Gavin who approved, who told, who convinced the judge or told the judge to go ahead and allow uh, elder to continue on. He didn't need to show his taxes. Well, why not? Why well, dug into his taxes? Right. And I figured out what was going on. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you can, you can put piece that together of where you think I'm leading to, but, The point is, is, is that he set a precedence and now he's going to run, sit down. And this is the, this is the, again, when people, people want somebody that, you know, is going to make them feel warm and fuzzy and they want to hear what they want to hear, but they don't want to hear the truth. So Canada, like me, that points out all the flaws and says, look, here's all the red flags. Why are you going to keep voting for this person? I kid you not. I hear people say stuff like, well, he just said that because, you know, he's uh, you know, he thinks like a lawyer because he's a lawyer. No, that's the, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Right. Or, Oh, he's been on air for so long. You know, he's just such a trusting voice, but he's not a trusting person when you see all these red flags. (laughs) Right. So they want to make excuses for the person that they like, rather than just owning up to the fact that the person that they like, unfortunately has too many red flags and they shouldn't be voting for that person. And it was really, uh, it was really designed to just pull votes away and kept Gavin in office. When you look at the machines, Uh, Again, you know, you've got uh, people like uh, uh, Dr. Douglas Frank, who's already put together all the evidence in the world that proves that the uh, that um, our machines are easily hacked uh, and then how the county purges them to drop the numbers back down uh, to what looks like realistic numbers. And then on top of that, they then somehow there's a spike in voter registration. Then they purge it, and then they purge it just enough back down to make it seem like they did their, you know, cleaning of the house. And then the state says, "Well, we can only audit one percent. One percent in a state of forty million, and that's going to legitimize the accuracy." Sit down. Like this is the again, this is the stupidity that we have in the state uh, with the people behind office that are absolutely corrupt, and they're okay with communism coming into this country because they think that that's the best thing. And look how everything has become constantly becoming destroyed
0: so last night we had the uh trump did his town hall on cnn and (laughs) yeah and he talked about i mean and he kept saying over and over about the 2020 election he kept saying that it was rigged um and, and you just brought that up you know as far as like larry elder saying he didn't believe that um what I think the part that a lot of people want to know is what part is rigged. Uh, I think one of the things the criticism I've had of Trump is that he he said that there was so much evidence and there was so much evidence we're going to see so much evidence, and I'm not saying that it wasn't because I believe that it it it, it was. Um, but my thing with him is that he, he didn't he didn't actually should bring out the evidence and present it in a way that was kind of that anybody could understand. What about our elections is problematic right now and going forward?
1: Well, here in California, the the when you look at the machines and you look at the uh, I believe there's only five uh, softwares or approved companies that uh, utilize a particular software uh, version that is permitted by the state. One of the problems with the machines is that they're all centralized. So when the polls are still open at eight o'clock, they will all hit a button or they're set on a timer that go to the secretary of state that show the current number that then is, is announced to the people through media, right. Or different forms of the media. When it's centralized, it doesn't allow for, Uh, all eyes to see the consistencies in the number because it's centralized. That's, that's one problem when you do it by hand uh, it eliminates the ability for there to be uh, a heavier amount of, of corruption. When you look at a machine, a machine can be hacked, easily hacked. Mm -hmm. And when you look at the manipulations of the numbers, when you look at the voter roll, they don't purge the voter roll at all. They increase the voter roll. And then when there are complaints about what people have eyewitnessed and they fill out affidavits to the evidence that they have, whether it's multiple eyewitnesses, whether it's video evidence, whether it shows actual data that some people who work in the polls have actually proved and have joined the lawsuits, um, all of that uh, forces the county then to do a a purge. When they purge, they don't do a full purge. They only do a purge that, that justifies the 1%. And then they balance that out with, well, there's always going to be a 5% discrepancy. And so they're within the, the allotted permissibility of, of false numbers. Whether somebody was illegal, whether somebody had their vote stolen or taken, somebody else voted for them, or the machine already showed that they had voted. When you have those, that level of inconsistency, that's proof. Inconsistency is proof that the machines don't work. It also is proof that the machines are are hackable. In fact, again, Dr. Douglas Frank, who has personally spoken spoken to, it, I'll be speaking to him again next week, uh, has also proven through all of the algorithms how it works that it's done cyclically. Right, so every election cycle, um, you'll see the voter roll somehow magically increase and matches the the number that somehow you know is identical to uh, the percentage that's given to the winner, and then it somehow drops again right so and then some of the counties also what another problem is is that some of the counties are told by the companies whether it's dominion or Vares or whatever a lot of times, these these companies will uh sign an agreement with the county councils or the board of supervisors that they are not permitted to audit the machines so remember i said the contract clause if you sign an agreement and the county takes a, a percentage of funds then the county Uh, DA, investigators, uh, law enforcement, they're not permitted to investigate the machines because they were told, uh, Kingsburg is just an example, were ordered that they could not investigate and they could not audit those machines. So now we'll never know if there was any foul play. That's another reason why the machines are... egregious to our votes, right? Because the vote allows the voice of the people to maintain their status above government. When they put the best person that they feel has the strongest character and has the willingness to stand up in the face of adversity, no matter the cost, when it comes to ensuring that the constitution state constitution stays intact. And so when that's disrupted with inconsistencies, then it lowers the, the, the people's trust. And that's exactly what corrupt government wants. They want the trust of the people to be so diminished because in a a state of 40 million in California, it's easier to uh, divide and control 12 million votes than it is 40 million votes. Because out of the 12 million, which here in California is a a historical norm uh, for governor, it's anywhere between 6 to 12. Average, these last couple of ones, these last two have been around 12. They only need a little more than half hmm. So they only need really to control six million votes or six point seven million of those votes, make it look real close and legit. And everybody walks and everybody thinks, well, I mean, look how close it was. So nobody really fusses. Whereas if it was a massive gap. Right. Then everyone screams that that's inconsistent. Numbers don't work that way. It's just not possible. Right. And so that's why. We're at where we're at is because corrupt government wants to disenfranchise all of the conservative votes or all of the voters, irrelevant if they're liberal or not. They don't want you to like the system. They don't want you to trust it, and they just want to tell you that everything is in play. So I think Shasta right now was had voted to get not to renew their contract with Dominion, and then their uh, their county registrar was upset about that. Because, you know, it's going to cost more money. Well, that's the taxpayers' uh, vote. They voted for that. They, They ordered under Article 1, Section 3 of the California State Constitution, it says that your representatives are there for instruction. That means that that proves that they are your servants. You're there to tell them what they need to do. And so they voted in favor, of course, they're supposed to of what the people demanded. And that was get rid of the machines. Then they were going to try to swap it out with another machine. So now they were going to rob Peter to pay Paul, but that became another problem. So then they finally said, we're going to get to basically paper ballot. They're going back to paper hand counting. Good. God bless them. That's probably going to be the only county in this next uh, uh, presidential election in the next governor race that uh, one county is at least trying to get back to hand counting And uh, and now we have the other system. The other problem with the system is, is that they can continue to count votes up to 30 days. Well, last time I checked, we were able to do (laughs) hand counting in a day. And now it's it's taking them 30 days with this new electronic processes. And because it's so much easier and and the crazy thing, too, is, is that. One of the other inconsistencies is the fact that when you run for office, you have to go out and get legitimate signatures. You have to go knock on doors. You have to convince people to uh, get you on that ballot. You have to get so many signatures. And then when you bring the paperwork in, they then have to verify each signature with the dmv and driver's license and if they're not the same they cross out a line they say well there's some inconsistency in the signatures so we're not going to approve that one so you got to go get another vote to fill in the void so if i have to have 160 signatures and only 150 count i only have until the deadline to get the remaining 10 or 11 signatures and Mm -hmm. then they're going to verify them but they won't verify the votes uh, when it comes for the election day, but they'll verify to make sure that those signatures are legit if I want to be on the ballot. <laughs> That's the ludicrous that 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 I had to endure and that every candidate has to endure in this state. and and this is why I tell people the machines are corrupt. they we need to get we need to force our sheriffs to investigate the machines and put them under investigation indefinitely because why? Because they can lock them up. And that forces the county, than to have to get back to paper ballot because the current machines are under investigation, and when that happens, the county cannot and is not permitted to go look for a new software or a new machine company. They have to do it by hand until the current investigation is over with. But nobody wants to do this.
0: Is that is that the route you're in favor for for uh, paper ballots?
1: Yeah, because it worked. It it, wow. it forces plus it it allows for you know poll watchers. Well, now you can't have poll watchers now. Right. Mm -hmm. We were up close. We were able to see and observe during the presidential election, you know, how they were covering up all the windows and they were, you know, police were pushing people back and they didn't want you to watch the counting up close. That's accountability. You're ensuring that people are legitimately looking at the signatures, ensuring that these are valid people who are citizens of this country to uh, uh, are permitted to put their vote in. If you're illegal, you don't get to vote. Right. And I I can't stand these people who come over here, you know, that that, you know, come here illegally and they're waving their country's flag. Really? So it was so great. That country was so great. Your country is so great that you're going to wave your flag, but you're coming over here. No, that's that's a lie. Your country is garbage and it turned to crap. And now you're going to bring that BS over here, waving your flag. No, because you allowed for your country to turn into BS and you didn't have the fortitude to stay there and fight for your nation and for your country's people. But you want to bring that lazy mentality over here to this country. I don't want you. I didn't fight for you. I fought for the people of this country. As this veteran, I fought for the best of my country, not for lazy people to come over here and get a free ride and bring that that garbage over here, that, that low life mentality. Listen, I get some people are coming over here because... You know, unfortunately, you know, they they maybe are are in such corruption that they're in fear of their life. I get that. But then you're going to have to go through an investigation and you're going to have to wait through that process. You don't get to roam around the state working and, you know, finding a job. And somehow you disappear and you miss your court date. And now you're out there illegally operating under a false name. No, I didn't fight for that. And if your country is so great, then go back. Oh, but it's not so great. It's a dirt.
0: And that's why you're here. And that's That's why why you're you're coming
1: to this country. So put down your flag. Put down your, you know, oh, I, listen, when when people, uh, listen, I, I'm Latino. You know, people go, hey, I'm from here from Mexico. Listen, uh, you know, I don't want to hear you're Mexican-American. No, you're not. You're an American, period. You're not. Maybe that's your ethnic background. God bless you. That's my ethnic background. I'm half Mexicano and I'm, I'm half Sicilian. But I don't wave the Sicilian flag. I don't wave the Mexicano flag. I wave the American flag. I threw my life on the line for America's way of life, not Mexico, not Sicily. I fought for this. Put down that damn flag. You're no longer Mexican. You're no longer Chicano. You're none of that. You are an American. So stop dicing and splitting things up. I totally disagree with that nonsense. You're in this country, so start learning the constitution and start learning the state constitution that you live in. And I can't tell you how many ignorant people when I go to these uh, events, you know, people will listen, if if you are about swearing an oath, don't swear an oath until you've actually read the documents. Because I get these, like, some members of some of these GOPs will swear people in to support and defend the state constitution. constitution. And I'll ask, did you read the con- the state constitution? No. Well, why'd you swear an <laughs> oath to it? Well, that's, I thought it was just a formality. A formality? You may disagree with the state constitution. You may realize that there's so many things out of alignment with the supreme law of the land. You just swore an oath to support to protect that. That's the stupidity that I see uh, when I go to these these groups. Even lawyers come up to me and ask me what law school I went to. I wasn't, uh, I I didn't go to law school. I just gave a damn to pick up a book and become a self-educated man and inadvertently became a constitutionalist. And now I understand what the job is and why everything is so corrupt. There's so much going on in so many different areas, whether it's our elections, our politicians, our border with drugs, child, human sex trafficking, you know, uh, farming, agriculture, water, like it's nonstop. I can't tell you how many people I hear crying and and people who just felt like they have just lost their way. I mean, brother, it's just. Uh, I mean, it's there's just days I got to come home and have a shot of tequila.
0: <laughs> it's ridiculous. I mean,
1: and and I I agree
0: with what you're saying. You know what I mean. And I think it's I think it's 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 the sentiment of a lot of different people. A lot of people th- feel the same way. Um, and it's only common sense. You know, going back to what you were saying about being over here. If you're from a different country,
1: you came over here for a reason. Yep. And you came here for a reason. Love it. Love this country. When you come here, fight for it, fight for, you know, the, the ability to come and go as you please to be able to choose your, your destiny unimpinged. But if you come over here, bring in that same mentality and you want a free ride, you're the epitome of what I'm fighting against.
0: But I don't think that's why people come over here anymore. Maybe at one point I think people came over here to seek freedom and to be able to live their lives as they see fit. I think now people come over here to get taken care of. Yes. I think they that's... get they come over here because you know, it's it's it, it's not surprising that people would still have some type of um, c- you know, a stronger connection with their home country because they never really valued anything. They didn't really care about anything, let alone yep. themselves, let alone this nation. You know what I mean? Like you can't get people that are going to be like, oh, we love America. We love what it stands for. They could care less as long as they're cutting the check. Yep. And that's just the reality. I mean, it's, there's so many different things. It's like, what I, what I really hate is the fact that there's so much common sense that we just overlook it because we're stuck in these narratives that are, that has us thinking one that because somebody does this or does that, this is how it is. This is how you're supposed to think. This is, I mean, it's, it's ridiculous to me you know yeah. you, you came yep. over here because you wanted to get you know, you just you just wanted to get taken care of i mean I, I i deal with a lot of people from different nations and they and a lot of them will tell you uh, especially a lot of i was talking to working with some people from central america and they were all saying th- this was their words you guys are stupid that's what they would say they would say americans are stupid because they give you everything you can't go to our country and you think you're going to go to El Salvador and say, Hey, yeah. uh, where's, where's my, uh, uh, where's my food stamps? Where's my money? They're going to say, what do you mean? Where's your money? Yep. It's not our problem.
1: Yeah. We'll I, make, I we'll make some. Yep. And that's, and that's the thing too, that, uh, communism, Marxism and socialism is, creates this whole mentality of, you know, we need to make all things equitable, right. And even distribution across the field and that uh, all things are equal, but I've got news for you. Not all things are equal. Uh-oh. Not all things, you know, not all people are equal. Not all people have, you know, we're, if that was the case, we'd be the same height and we'd all look the same, but that's not the case. You know, uh, I hate to break it to you, but it removes incentive. It removes the desire to want to excel. If we're all going to be the same and we're all going to have the same pay and we're all going to have a cheerio box to live in and we're all going to get the, you know, uh, everything, uh, even across the board, then why do I want more? Right then it forces or it creates a a dependency on a on a system that really is designed to create slave labor and and this is the uh this is what we're having to endure and this is what we see with this younger generation this self-entitled generation that you know needs safe spaces and uh, you know they want participation trophies and they want to they want to be called a pronoun Right, they just can't handle the truth, and so they want to be what they what they feel they are, what they want to identify themselves as, but that's not how it works, and so it creates a dependency,
0: and it and it and it stifles growth. Exactly, it's it's really what it is. Like when it really boils down to it, like you are literally impeding our development both collectively and individually. Yep, like you said, it takes away incentive. It takes away that, but that incentive is what leads to development. It's what leads to growth. it w- it's what leads to evolution. it's it it is the driving force behind why we are sitting in an air conditioned room right now,
1: yes. And that's and- exactly it. That is exactly it. It removes that desire to want to grow, expand, further your, your education, further your, how far can the human body go? How far can the mind take you? You know, uh, how far can we truly, you know, become a, an excellent, you know, um uh, uh, community, you know, w- what we can pass down, you know, into our posterity, into the future. Like you don't want to hinder that, but when you try to take from those who are successful to those who are less successful because well they're just lazy minded, then you remove the incentive of anybody even wanting to try because we're well, just going to take it from them right? Like President Biden just put out this this ignorant uh, you know uh, bill that uh, is gonna force homeowners who are good paying good standing homeowners making their payments to uh, charge them more for those who are high risk uh, homeowners. That are trying to get a home loan.
0: Why? Why? What does this do?
1: What? So you're going to take from my hard-earned effort for those people who don't know how to budget, who don't know how to stop spending what they don't have, and those of us who are, you know, uh, you know, conscientious about a, a monthly budget uh conscientious about you know building a savings conscientious about you know doing you know the uh the the right thing you know when it comes to taking care of their family ensuring that their debts are paid off because other people are too lazy-minded too uneducated to do that too unwilling to do that and they have bad credit because they you know they they just keep spending what doesn't belong to them they've got addictions they they're they they have no incentive they like taking from other people they want the handout you're going to force us to have to pay for them so it removes my ability to say well then why am i even going to bother and yeah. this is this is okay. another thing that that it's being done on purpose i i i i work i came from nothing to where i'm at and i'm not rich i'm 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 considered middle class i have a i have a decent savings i have some you know comfortable diversification i still got to work like everybody else you know i homeschool my kids uh, with my wife And, you know, it's, it's not easy, but I pay my bills and I make sure that I don't spend any more than what I have. I try to always tuck away some uh, money for saving. So I, in case there's a rainy day and and that happens in everybody's life. And that way, because I don't want anybody else to have to pay for me or my family, it's not Mm. their responsibility. It's mine. This is called self accountability, right? Self-reliance. And, and I need to become, I need to constantly be a human being that that's always trying to seek further education, right? I need to constantly gain education in everything that's coming in my way. It's coming through my life. If I don't know it, I'm going to go out there and learn it, right? That's that's how we constantly improve ourselves and, and how we grow you know, a, a self-governed society instead of a society dependent on government and government subsidies and creating a, a dependency, um, which causes mayhem. Because these people aren't educated enough to start a fire, go hunting, learn how to build, you know, understand electronics, things like that, right? They want somebody else to do it for them. And so government is pushing this, which is still also illegal. The gover- government has no business impinging upon a free market. Government's job is to ensure that the free market does what it does best, and that is be free and this is constantly something that we are not engaged in government forces people to you know build houses and create more jobs that's not the government's responsibility that is the free market's responsibility that co- that creates competition if i don't like that person's price maybe i'll make a similar item and i'll lower my prices but but uh make it even better and then provide that out into the open market and see who does best now there's competition mm-hmm. right government has no no reason to impinge upon that or interfere in that they only have the right to interfere when there is a monopoly when there's a monopoly then they're supposed to come in with all their teeth that's not permitted that's why back during the the early 1900s 1920s with hollywood they you know they the hollywood was trying to be the the movie theater the distribution and they were trying to um own all the actors right well that that's a monopoly You Mm -hmm. can't do that. So they, so they separated that they separated the studios from the movie theaters. And so that way they couldn't, uh, they couldn't control everybody. That's what government's supposed to do. You don't get listen. You you, out of three, okay, you own two, you don't get to own all three. So they, so that kept the market open. Right, and then when the internet came around, we started getting all these internet, uh, you know, celebrities that started coming out of the woodworks because they weren't getting their, they weren't able to break into the union. Right, if you get your Mm -hmm. SAG card and you work in Hollywood, I, you know, I worked in the entertainment industry, I still do, and it's it's uh, very competitive, and sometimes you never get a shot. Well, when the internet came out, people started just putting themselves out there and started getting that attention. And what happens? Advertisers want you because you have a huge popularity. You've got an audience of two million people. That's a lot of money for them. They're going to pay you. And now all of a sudden, you've become this new sensation. Hollywood hated that. They didn't want that. They wanted these new contracts that mm-hmm. were going to try to, you know, uh, monopolize so that they could own that. And that that again became another uh, huge uh, um, argument, right? So a lot of these lobbyists went to your your legislators to try to to try to um, mitigate that. No. So this is this is what we're experiencing. Government has no reason to do that. We need a, a my goal is to make a more in, uh, impotent government, so that the people can maintain their status above.
0: Exactly. I mean, but that, but going back to what we were saying, I think we was, we were off camera. When we were saying it. The problem is, is that there's a lot of people that that's not what they want. No, they want a stronger government because they want a stronger taken care of. That's what they want. They want to be taken care of. Oh yeah, you know? I mean and, everybody.
1: Everybody tells me that. Everybody's and I, like, well, don't you think government should help us? Shouldn't, government is the problem. And,
0: and that's the, and that's, this is the disconnect. You know what I mean? It's like you have these conversations with people and you realize we want two different things. We're seeing this from two different perspectives and I can't make you care about yourself or value yourself or put yourself above government in that's this it. sense and do what's best for you and your family. I mean yep. because that that makes sense to me if it but the average person if you say you know that's why they always say whenever somebody's running what are you going to do for us? What do you mean what am I going to do for you? I don't need to do anything. All I need to do as a government official or or you should do as a government official is it's it's just ensure that my rights are not being violated.
1: That that's exactly it. That is the simplistic. <laughs> that is it right there. That's key. That's it. People ask me, well, what what should our board of supervisors be doing? How should they be representing the people? Their job is to ensure that no legislation is drafted that would impinge upon uh, the the Constitution, your sovereignty, your freedoms. Right. The your, when you look at the Declaration of Independence, right, we it talks about a, us being of nature and nature's God. Well, when you and that we are endowed by the Creator uh, with certain unalienable rights, right, the right to life right? And so when you look at some of these laws, um, they changed the language, right? So when you look at some of these bills that were drafted, like one of them was by Buffy Wicks, um, that allowed that change the language to parents to be representatives. So now under under their uh, the drafting of the, their bills, um, a 12-year-old medical record is no longer accessible by their parents because, well, a parent uh, is now considered a representative. And so the 12-year-old If they decide to go you know, get hormone blockers or they want to go get the jab or they want to go do something that they want to do because somebody convinced them otherwise, they can go do it. And mom and dad cannot have access to their uh, medical record because of the fact that the changing of the language uh, changed parent to representatives. Well, that language doesn't exist under the Declaration of Independence. When you look at the Declaration of Independence saying that we are of nature and nature's God, they're saying that nature provided... A mother and a father biologically, right. it took a male and a female to consummate. That is the natural occurring environment that is of nature and nature's God. And when a child is born, or at the moment of conception, is the moment of life, right? The right to life. And when that child is born and he or she, you know, comes into fruition, takes their first breath, mother and father, mom and dad are the natural guides, the natural caretakers of that human being. They are. Parents. They are mother and father, not a representative. So the language of the law changed at just enough so that they could undermine us being a part of nature and of an equal and separate station. This is written in the Declaration of Independence. And so then it abrogates the right to life because you're a representative, has nothing to do with life, right? You're just a representative. So this is what they do when they go back to redraft. And when they when you hear your legislators go, well, we're going to go back to the drawing board. We're going to really work on trying to get this passed. It didn't pass this time, but we're going to work even harder. We're going to we're going to work on the language. They're telling you they're going to manipulate and change the language to change perception so they can pass repugnant legislation. This is how this works.
0: Do you think this is this is the underlying of like you said the language, the law, the way everything is going. This is the underlying problem in all of government.
1: Absolutely, I, again they 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 they're trying to get away with completely obliterating the Constitution. They want so much disruption that the people will cry out and say the Constitution doesn't work. We need a whole new one. Let's let's yeah. just get rid of it, right? But it works beautifully. But because you didn't know it, and because you don't understand it, and you've never really studied it, you think that it, it's it's uh it's an old piece of document that's you know uh. You know, times have changed. No, our forefathers were way ahead of their time and knew exactly what they were doing, that is still applicable today. And so, the only way they can get rid of it is by undermining it by changing the language. And when you do that, then you can create legal loopholes or illegal loopholes because you're exploiting what wherever it's not said. Corrupt government operates wherever it's not said. And so, this is where the this is what they engage you. This is why there's a huge pr- push for. Uh, you know, and I, I don't want to get your account flagged, but, you know, the the rainbow group, you know, that uh, you are not a pronoun. So no, no, go, late-
0: yeah, this is I was going to ask I was, this is about my I, before we get off. I wanted you to break that down because you talked to me about it yesterday. But I wanted you to break that down for the audience.
1: So when you look again, at the Declaration of Independence is the foundation to the Articles of Confederation. That's not up for debate. You can't argue with me on that. I and mean, there's not, there's not going to be any discourse on that. That's just fact. Mm-hmm. So so you have to understand that the framers instituted the laws of nature, what we call common law, right? God-given. There is there is a significant difference for what is um, civil rights and unalienable rights. The two are not one and the same. Civil rights are immunity and privileges given out by the government under eligibility through the contract clause. Unalienable is that which is God-given, f- which uh, we have been endowed with, meaning gifted, with life, liberty, the pursuit of happiness, things that are of nature and what nature provides. So our forefathers were genius in putting in that. So we actually fall under common law, not civil. The two are not one and the same. I'm not fighting for your civil because civil keeps you under the thumb of the government. Unalienable keeps you above that. So the language has to harmonize with that. So now when you look at pronouns and everybody wanting to identify as a pronoun, the laws of nature and nature's God only provided male and female, not 72 other genders that don't exist just because you feel that way or because you want to identify that way. So when you use a pronoun and you use a they or them to identify a singular, well, that doesn't exist because a they and them doesn't exist in the framing work. And so therefore, when you start to identify and you start to permit the uh, community, this, this transgender community to actually uh, 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 signify the legitimacy of a pronoun, then you are opening up a gateway to, uh, Abrogate and abridge the supreme law of the land. So that's why they're pushing. Co- corrupt government is pushing for the legitimacy of pronouns of identifying seventy-two other uh, or more uh, gender identities and fluidities and whatever you want to call it. And these pronouns, so that people now are being identified more of rather than uh, using a a word that identifies multiple or plurality into a singular. It doesn't. It doesn't work that way. That's not the language of the law. That's not how the framers work because it gets around nature and nature's God. It gets around that which is common law and therefore it keeps the people under the thumb of the government. So we're being attacked on multiple languages. This is why pronouns are extremely dangerous. Not because you want to wake up one morning and go, well, I, I feel a certain way. Okay, mm-hmm. well, God bless you. That doesn't change biologically, anatomically, right? Chromosomally, you can't change that. It doesn't matter what you want to be, what you did in surgery, how many blockers you want to take. It, it, the laws of nature didn't, uh, uh, didn't uh, provide that to you through your chromosomes because that's what nature provided. And we say nature, we're talking about God. We're talking about the laws of nature, common law. So they need to get around that and they need to legitimize it so that they can throw the Constitution, the Declaration of Independence, the Bill of Rights. They want to toss it out.
0: Man, that's um, that's the part I wanted to get into. That's, a, that's the part I wanted you to say. I mean, you know, I ain't sure about the the account, but I mean, that's I think it's big. I think there's a lot of things that people don't see and the games that are being played and manipulated behind the scenes it just seems like we all just sit here and go, oh, there's a problem, there's a problem, there's a problem. But we don't actually get to see it. And a lot of people say, well, this is what we need to do. And nobody actually lays it out. And I think that's one of the things, every time I talk to you, I get more of a better understanding of what's really going on as opposed to just listening to the cliches and the, and the rhetoric that say, oh, there's a problem. You know what I mean? And and, and I always fun- want to know
1: why. <laughs> My biggest thing is, is yeah. I, I You should want to know why, right? If I'm going to be in a position or I'm aiming to be in a position to represent the people, I am subjecting myself to be their servant, not your leader. That's the other thing too. Everybody needs to stop saying we need new leadership. They are not your leaders. You are the sovereign, the queen of England, the king of England. They are the sovereigns of that nation. That means nobody can bring a, a crime against them. They are the sovereigns. Everybody else is a serf. That means that they are under the thumb of the sovereign the monarch. Well, you are the sovereign of this nation, which is why we don't live in a democracy. We live in a Republic. This is a constitutional Republic, but they want you to say that we live in a democracy and those words are interchangeable. No, they're not. In fact, the word democracy was repugnant to our forefathers when you look at some of their memoirs. And this is why I tell people that you have to be very, very careful about the language of the law and the language that are in the things that are being said, the words that are being used Mm -hmm. because of where we're at. And so I always wanted to know, and I always want to know if I'm going to represent the people as a servant of the people, the foundation. And I have to understand, I'm their servant. I'm going to be their servant. They are granting me a level of authorities already laid out in the Constitution and and harnessed by the state constitution because every state is a little bit different. They all deal with slightly different problems. And so they, they change a little bit. And that we are in a nation state. That means our state can actually fight against another state militarily. That's why we have our own military. If we don't like what another state is doing, we can actually engage in a war with Texas if we wanted to. If right. we felt like they were trying to, you know, overthrow our own, you know, state government. We could engage that federal government can't do anything about it, right? Because the enumerated powers are left up to the state and the people. When it mm-hmm. ends with the people, that means people have the final say. See, when you study the constitution and your state constitution you can see where things are out of alignment and what our framers meant and and it all sinks in wherever there's inconsistencies you have to throw it out wherever it harmonizes you know that's the foundational work and when it starts to get undermined it's very easy to identify now when i look at the drafting of bills the stupidity that i see i can tell whether or not somebody's actually read the state constitution. I can tell when somebody actually understands the constitution and I haven't had, I don't have this thing memorized. I'm constantly writing in it and taking notes and figuring out how does it apply to the bureaucracy that we're experiencing right now and the rhetoric and the lies and how are they getting away with it? I want answers. And if you don't want the answers, then you're always going to be suppressed by the corruption. You're always going to go to your board of supervisors and you're going to scream to high heaven and they're just not going to engage into that. Why? Because you don't know how to put them in prison. You haven't figured it out. You don't know where to start. And because you don't know where to start, it's because you're not understanding the laws. And when you understand the laws a little bit more, you can press their backs up against the wall to force their hands. Right? I only know of one person, I actually have it, um, that some of these positions require a a, 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 a surety bond. Right? A bond mm-hmm. for their positions. A fidelity bond for good works and so on. Right? You can pull their bonds. Well, I've only known one person, and I have a copy of it, of Gavin Newsom's bond from these last four years. I actually have a copy of it. I can show it to you afterwards. Oh, yeah. But no, but only one person <laughs> that I know actually pulled it and got it because this person worked their tail off to try to go after Gavin directly. But everybody kind of dropped the ball on this person and didn't want to pursue. They got scared. Right? Strength in numbers. Yeah, yeah. And bonds were working up, you know. Uh, you know, bonds for the win were working great up north. Down south, didn't do it. Why? Because neither side was talking to each other. Why did they work up north but not down south? Because they didn't share their information with each other. Right? This is this is where we're at. We're so disconnected. We're so separated. We we we're not willing. We're just looking for someone to just. We're, we're willing to. We just want to find somebody that we can hand off the responsibility to and be done with it.
0: I think that's 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 the the biggest issue that we face is a, it's a cultural and a, and a value and a moral problem and but like you said it's a spiritual warfare that's going on here
1: right Yeah. and that's that's the, the other thing too is is when you undermine the constitution and when you remove common law god given unalienable when you remove that you're removing god out of our lives something always has to fill the void if you look in the bible for those who are christ believers and you look at you know anybody who was possessed in the Bible and they were exercised, it says that whenever the demon leaves, it will go out into the desert. I'm paraphrasing, and will try and find a place to rest. And if it cannot find a place to rest, it will come back with seven other demons worse than itself and fill uh and, and reattack and fill what hasn't been filled with God. Meaning that once you clean a house, right, or you've mm-hmm. been this person was possessed. They have to fill their life up continuously with Christ, with the Holy Word, right? With a new uh, a new pathway. You can't just clean house and then leave it empty because then the demons will come back and fill it back up. Only this time it's going to be worse, right? Yeah, exactly. So when you remove God out, you're going to allow all this vile behavior to fill in. This is all demonic. We're allowing our children now to basically be attacked in just some of the most perverse ways. And you have to ask yourself, well, how did this all happen? Because we have representation that does not believe, that wants to remove God out of it. And we constantly hear this separation of church and state. That does not exist in the constitution. That phrasing does not exist. I don't care who you are. Mm-hmm. But when you start to do that, well, what do you think? what do you think is going to fill it up when you remove God? Something evil, something vile, this 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 grossness that we're seeing right now i'm
0: <clears throat> what you're saying is right because it's just like anything i mean there is no empty space even in 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 in, in general there's no empty space is always filled with something and and it's the same thing like i said dealing with addicts and people that are come overcoming their addiction you can't just say let's stop doing that without having some type of alternative to fill that void because once you've gotten rid of the drug, because it's all a dopamine hit. So you're looking for a dopamine hit. Well, yes. now I, that's why I say, okay, well, let's start working out. Now, if we get in the gym, you're going to get your dopamine hit in a more positive way than in, yep. off of drugs. Yes. But you're still, you're still going to be craving it. This is why people can't quit. Do it can quit. It's, it's hard to quit doing drugs and then just sit there. Exactly. I, that's, Uh-oh. that's,
1: Man that was the best example. I'm going to use that. I hope you're okay with that. No,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean it's but cuz it's it's the truth. It's not it's I didn't come up with it. That's just that's just nature. That's just how we operate. We function that way. So when I'm you know and and it's the same thing like I I tell people I tell these guys like, man, you know, the whole world operates off of order and yes. it's structure. And if you don't have structure then you're going to they're going to give it to you in some way or some form or another. I said even a drug addict, even a drug addict structures his day, but it's it's around drugs. Yes, and he and he and he gets up in the morning if he's ever fell asleep. But he gets up in the morning and he's and he's figuring out how am I get some more money so I can get some more dope so I can get high.
1: Yep.
0: And there's and there's a process and there's systems that he goes through. Whether yep. you want to admit it or not, I don't know. His systems might not be you know the systems of, of Fortune five hundred, but there's systems. It's how it's this is how life works this way. Everything works this way. It works. It's it's all in order if you want to call it divine or not, but it is, it is what it is. Yeah. So, you know, I,
1: I just, you know, I, I've kind of gotten to that point though, where I don't want to admit that it might just take California and all the other States sort of falling on their own sword before they wake up. It might just take, for the banks to have a bank holiday and you can't access your funds, right? Mm-hmm. Or, uh, you know, or there is a default, you know, and, uh, that starts to negatively affect everybody's ability to take care of themselves financially. When your plate, when the food on your table is completely disrupted is maybe when we're truly going to see people rise up because think, now they can't eat. Yeah, but until right. then, the, everybody still has, there's, everybody has too many, you know, too much decadence, way too much. Everybody's still driving two, three, four cars. You know, probably everybody has a TV in almost every single room. Mm -hmm. Not everybody, but a lot of people have multiple computers and cell phones and tablets, right? And, and, you know, and they, they live in a single two-story, three-story house, whatever, you know, everybody, everybody is still able to Feed themselves, take vacations. You know they've got their money. They're okay. Well, you know it's not. It hasn't really affected them yet, right? They know it's there, but it, it really hasn't hit them at their doorstep quite just yet, right? I think. I think you know. Unfortunately, with the the Wuhan that came, you know that that was a bit of a wake up call to those of us who are already aware, and we've increased our numbers. But to the rest you know, it's now gone. It's over with. We don't have to worry about it anymore. Sure. There's still some residual issues going on, but you know what, let's just get back to normal, but we're not at normal. And, and you can see it. Banks are starting to fail. Banks are starting to close, right? They're going to introduce a uh, CBDC where this is going to happen. And, and people don't want to admit to this. Well, that's going to cause a wealth transfer. That wealth transfer is going to allow for, you know, the rich of the rich to uh, basically maintain their status while everybody else is going to have to give up. You know, uh, a lot of their status for those who are uh, the ultra poor, and and that's going to create a, a wealth transfer, and there's going to be a loss of finances because the government's not going to subsidize all of that. You're just gonna you're just gonna have to deal with it, right? I the FDIC that, doesn't have to back all of that money.
0: I think that we are we're we are witnessing the um, these good times that were created by strong men have now created the weak men that have now creating the hard times that are coming but i think that this is the this is the the, this is the cycle that we find ourselves in um my my optimism is in the fact that i think that these hard times will produce some stronger stronger men and i think that there are stronger men out there like yourself that are out there willing to tell the truth and and you know wake people up and unfortunately um well fortunately there's gonna be people that wake up from your message, and unfortunately, there's gonna people be some be some people that wake up due to external pressure that I think is gonna come. Um That's but, interesting
1: you say that because that that's actually kind of what I've seen. I've seen people wake up because they've they've experienced the external pressure mm-hmm. uh via they had to fire very close friends or even family members uh from you know a, a major company that they had. Um, And they had to completely downsize and they had to make arrangements. And so they let half those people go, Um, you know, and maybe a relative said, I'm going to sell half, half my shares, you know, and and I'll try something different to, you know, whatever. I've seen people, you know, uh, close down shop because the, you know, for what happened over the last three years and they had no other options. And so now they've now geared their eyes towards the corruption. I've seen people who, you know, weathered the storm, but just don't want to involve themselves because you know they, they weathered the storm and so now they're just focusing on just you know keeping maintaining status quo so they don't don't do anything else but they're they're not interested in, in trying to better and realize everything that happened to you you know is going to happen again and you're not safe so you know uh, you, you need to involve yourself locally so it stops right. completely right and and then there's just some people who just just want to ignore it They they literally want to ignore what is happening. They can't bring themselves, you know, consciously, to to admitting to themselves that they've been wrong this whole time. And that's hard. I get that. When you realize that you've been swindled, you don't. It's 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 uh, it's you know, it's an invasive feeling. You know, you don't you don't want to admit that to yourself. You you know you you can't understand. You know, maybe you've been this big. I've even seen believers who've lost their faith and just say, you know what, I just I'm I'm done with God. (laughs)
0: yeah um yeah i mean it should be interesting man but um either way i think that the one thing that they can't take from us is our mind and our spirit and as long as we keep that strong and that's something that you know that's that's the whole reason i don't i don't really feel like um, you and i can change people all we can do is really just put the information out there and every day wake up and fight the fight and that's yep. all we're trying to do. And well, I that's what my
1: th- that's what my wife says too. She's like, why Why do you still do this? And I said, because I can't, in good conscience, sit there and take all the information that I've learned and not try to wake the people up. In fact, I consider myself to be a watcher on the wall. I cannot, in good faith, sit down and not sound the alarm. I have to. It's right. my duty to sound the alarm and present the information. What you do with it is entirely up to you. It's up to you to test out the information. I tell everybody, test everything before you believe in anything. Don't take my word for it. You need to test it. You need to understand it and digest it. But what you do with it is entirely up to you. But I can, the blood is not on my hands. Not now, not ever. I have been doing everything I possibly can on my own dime. Mostly been running for office for, basically I haven't stopped running since 2019. And by the time 2026 comes around, it will be, have been seven years. I've been at this for four years, mm-hmm. right? I've, and inadvertently becoming a constitutionalist, I've basically studied, you know, political science, you know, <laughs> without having to spend $100,000 getting a, a, a college degree. I don't need it, right? And and this is where really I think the people kind of fail themselves is is that desire to wanting to do that. Because it's, it takes effort, it takes time, it's 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 exhausting. And then uh, the biggest thing too is, is uh, you know, when saying you know, fight the good fight. Don't give up. You have to. You, you're going to have to come to an understanding too that what you learn, you can never unlearn. Once you see it, you can't yeah. unsee it. Once yeah, you sure. know it, there's no going back. And now God's going to know. You're going to bury it in the sand and do nothing with it. Or are you going to take that information and go out there and do something with it?
0: That's that's it. That's every man's uh, dilemma that they have to they have to wake up. And that's, like I said, I feel the same way. Like I can't look myself in the mirror, you know. So I think that there's that if you can't if you want to you want to be able to live in good conscience and a life full of regrets is not a life. Trust me.
1: Oh yeah. yeah. No, I, absolutely. Well, man, I
0: appreciate you coming on and giving your insight. And it's always good talking to you. It's always good to have you and give have your perspective. Man, anything you want to say before we go ahead and sign off here?
1: No, I would just, well, yes, I would say, listen, um, to everybody that's out there, get ready. Because with this next presidential election and our state in California for the 2026, you need to arm yourself with knowledge. You need to arm yourself with how we got here, why we're here, and what we're going to do about it. And you really need to dig down deep and realize you're going to have to start choosing sides. It's coming whether you like it or not. And not everybody that you've been friends with for years are going to stay on that list of friendship. And not everybody in your family that you're really close to are going to stay as family. You'll always love them, but there's going to come that divide. And that's actually what Jesus has said to us that he's come to separate the wheat from the tares. And that means people in your family, that means your neighbors, that means that your colleagues get ready because it's going to hit you by storm and I can already see it coming. So get the information, right? Arm up, gear up, get ready because it's uh, it's going to get worse before it's going to get even better.
0: Yeah, I agree. Well, I appreciate you, man. Thank you again for coming on. Hold on one second. I'm going to pull you out then I'll talk to you in a second.
1: All right, brother all right
0: man thank you guys again for tuning in to this latest episode of the nose podcast where we talk about culture politics and common sense that was daniel mercury uh california governor candidate um if you again if you haven't if this is your first time or this you like what you listen to subscribe to the channel share like comment with as many people as possible and also if you're listening to the audio version Please give us a five-star review and leave a, leave a review as well. We like to read them and hear what you got to say. But I appreciate everybody. Until then, my name is Jay. This is No Spoon Podcast.